0: Chapter 21, Resistance is Useless. I spent a significant part of 1989 bottling the voice of Peter Law. This man's voice is fantastic, unlike any other emanation in the world, but the job was still mindless and soul-destroying. If you tip the bottles just slightly, the delicate balance of the contents would be upset and the lorry mixture would be altered. For instance, instead of conjuring up images of those beautiful boiled egg eyes, the consumer will be reminded of a manic pit bull terrier covered in foam parachuting into Bolivia. Wow, excitement like that made me want to go ectoplasmic. T.M. The following signal was intercepted and decoded by a satellite put into orbit by the Japanese cat food conglomerate, Pussygut-25. The satellite subsequently exploded. Japanese scientists sent the message in tape form to an underground station. The aggressive containers used by the covert station imploded under the sinister energies, and into the wet brain of a young man working on a waste incineration plant in North London. Through his hands, this message reached textual climax. I resisted the temptation, even though my bones were shaking under my skin. Instead, I wandered down to my local chip shop, where Harry the fish was frying away like there was no tomorrow. I ordered cod and chips with a pickled egg for luck and watched the hungry dregs, pissed up and moaning as they awaited their piles of incinerated fish. Eventually Harry heaved a bag of sopping wet paper full of cod and potato over the counter, the pickled egg glistening in the centre like an evil vinegar eye. I took a handful of chips and shoveled them into my mouth. The taste hot-wired my buds and I felt my brain flashing. It wasn't the chips was the salt it tasted absolutely unbelievable i vaulted the counter and pressed harry against the wall demanding to know what kind of salt he was using dead sea salt liver salt salt of the earth harry shook his head and laughed he motioned me into the back room where he stored his frozen potato, stuffed fish from the marine taxidermist and mayonnaise cylinders in the center of the room stood a pillar of salt vaguely humanoid in shape half of one arm already gone Automatic Biography, Queasy Memoirs Written by David Goodchild What the holy gibbering fuck is that?! I screeched, dropping my chips. That, my friend, is Lot's wife. Harry grinned. Who? I demanded. You know, out of the Bible. Got a mate over in Israel who specialises in holy relics. Mainly from the Old Testament. Keeps trying to vlog them to me. For the shop. I tried using some saints' toes in the cheeseburgers. even wrapped some of the chips in the Turin Shroud. But it's just not economical. Then he offers me a whole pillar of salt. Couldn't really see no to that, especially seeing as Esmeralda gets something out of it. At that moment, Harry's pet reindeer came trotting through the door and approached a holy salt lick. I dropped my fish, threw the pickled egg in Harry's eye and fled. From now on, I'm on a strict diet of yoghurt and caress. Chapter 22, Carburetor Madness. I'm working on a massive industrial plant. A flue gas treatment plant and clinical waste building with associated economizers, induced air fans, boilers, autoclades, turbines, quench towers and residue silos. I am writing a hyperactive novel inside a shell of machinery surrounded by engineers and consultants. I know nothing about the technology that surrounds me even though it provides my daily bread. Who gives a shit? In a sense, I too am an engineer. An engineer of complete lunacy. Lunacy. My brain is a power plant fuelled by moon madness and it produces enough hardcore pulp to keep the world in juice for centuries. I phoned in sick. I said I had malaria. I said I'd bring in a doctor's note to prove it. I made a plate of deviled eggs and devoured them. I cooked a dinner of shrieking beef and awful reared duck and shoved it in my eating hole. I considered the crisis of postmodernism and what a real crisis it was. Two weeks later, I was subsiding on a diet of pure intravenous neon, which made me very popular at parties and potholing conventions. In fact, I spent an extremely interesting and energetic night with two stunning potholing ladies after they demanded to see my glowing apparatus. Let's just say they were illuminated. The neon absorption trick was something I picked up from an old friend. Old, as in the 17th century. Chapter 23. Jackie the Bodice Ripper. after graduating from Middlesex University, I met and befriended a bawdy duck called Jackie, whose primary ambition in life was to sleep her way through high society. She dripped neon from her bonnet like mad hatters drip mercury from their toppers. After a few abortive attempts at seduction at the ambassador's reception, she enrolled on a course in sexual violence and emerged at the top of her class by draining the blood from her tutor's body through his engorged truncheon. She was engorgeous. She had long, curly red hair and full lips. Long, generous fingers and sharp, metallic blue nails. Predator's eyes and huge, firm breasts squeezed into a bodice. Oh, hey! A behind you would want to suck in heaven. Needless to say, she had a voracious, erotic appetite and insanely inflated social ambition. She was my best friend. If you were unhappy, she'd fuck you senseless and force laudanum down your throat. If you were happy, she'd fuck you, census, and force laudanum down your throat. If you were unconscious, she'd fuck you, census, and force laudanum down your throat. She has seduced and drained thousands of historic personages through her sexual crusade in time. She was directly responsible for one Byron's clubfoot, the foot massage to end all foot massages. Two. Hunchback of Notre Dame's hump He had been an upright citizen Until she chimed his bells 3. Jean-Paul Sartre's squint When she squeezed his seasoned love Mamba between her memories. 4. Michael Jackson's skin condition 5. Noel Gallagher's Monobrow 6. David Bowie's multicoloured eye system 7. Kirk Douglas's cleft Cunnilingus overload 8. Donald Pleasance's sweat problem 9. Chris Eubanks' lisp and many more besides. She eventually came to replace every single female fantasy archetype resident in the male collective unconscious where she now rules like a wet dream queen for erotic eternity. And I shagged her! Jackie may be a nymphomaniac with thighs of steel but she doesn't even compare to Rachel. Rachel has all the sexual qualities of Jackie combined with style, wit, and the evolutionary advantage of having bones poking out of her body at both ends. She figures in my thoughts constantly and may influence the sixth sprinkler of my mind at any time. Worth noting that the contents of this queasy memoir may not represent the current mental state and life experience of the author who is now 51 years old. Apologies for any offence, it was all intentional. Automatic biography, queasy memoirs, written by David Goodchild, read, edited and published by Mike Pierce. It is imperative that you wash your limbs and arteries down with bleach and formaldehyde after exposure to this rabid signal. (music) Thank <music> you.